This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doin' Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening and a warning that this episode of Doing Time may contain images of deaths in custody and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that have died. Today's show will be focused on listening to some speeches from a range of wonderful First Nations warriors talking about invasion day and there was a march to follow after that and it's really just a report back of invasion day and listening to the speeches emerging from that day in melbourne on the steps of parliament so stay tuned and thanks for listening the language of this land spoken for generation after generation as we were one of the last invaded British colonies, they were very efficient at eradicating cultural identity. And the first thing they tried to eradicate was our language. Now, I don't like to say that it's a, a lost language. I like to say that it's still waiting for its people to reconnect. And what I just said was welcome and greetings and good day from the Wurundjeri people. I always get goosebumps at this time of year, standing in front of so many people, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, um, who want to change this date that celebrates genocide, murder and theft, and create a more, what we'd say in language, Jindi Warabak Balak, which is unity in the community, by celebrating all the diversity, both Aboriginal diversity and the diversity of basically the world that now resides on Aboriginal land. So thank you for coming and supporting this. Continue to support it, I encourage you, because people power does work. <clears throat> Just remember, politicians all about votes, see? So if you, if you could... Uh, cha- that's where the people power originates from. And you look through Aboriginal activism over, over the decades, all the way back to 38, all the way back prior to the mission eras, um, that's how we make change happen. Now, we are the sole surviving sovereign clan of the Birrarung, the sacred river of mists. 
the English had a bit of a misconception of, the, of our culture, which uh, was quite common back in those days, and called it the Yarra. But keep that sovereign um, na uh, word in your mind, because I want to express what it actually means shortly. I acknowledge the fallen clans of the, uh, of the Wurundjeri. We've only got one of our mob left. We're the mobs that you see from Wurundjeri people come from one very special lady named Berate. The English called her Annie. Uh, you may have heard of William Barak, one of our most esteemed elders of the past. It's his sister. Uh, the other Wurundjeri mobs are no longer with us. And either of the mobs are the Maribyrnong. And I'd like to acknowledge them. I'd like to extend that acknowledgement to all the mobs here you know, uh, there's no doubt you have similar stories where you're, I call them cultural cousins in today's sort of terminology, where our men, women and children who fell under the frontier wars and standing up for their sovereign inheritance to care for their land and their people under the extreme regime of the British colonial invasion of our land. So I'd like to acknowledge all of the mobs that fell throughout this continent which uh, is now branded as Australia. I'd also like to acknowledge, this is a very broad acknowledgement, community leaders here today. If you want to get a bit of an aspect of what uh, traditional leadership is about, humility is a real key to it. Where decisions made on behalf of the community always override the decisions of the individual. So people that uh, lead communities in any form or, in, or whatever uh, structure it might be, and you carry that cultural leadership trait, I acknowledge you. Uh, environmental leaders here today, I, we need you more than ever. See, the mob get it. The blackfellas get it. It's part of our cultural inheritance to understand that we're responsible to country and community. But for the non-Indigenous people out there, the country is crying out for our help. Are we able to listen to what it's saying? Because there's some really uh, disastrous uh, environmental statistics which continue to occur. And that mindset of exploitation of stolen goods, which is this land in general, continues to harm our environment. So I acknowledge all the environmental leaders out here today. And <clears throat> And I'd just like to extend that acknowledgement too to um, cultural leaders. And like I touched on earlier, the world is represented on Wurundjeri land. It's represented in the broader continent. It's represented right here. As an elder of this land, I encourage you to get out and tell your story. Mutual respect comes from truthful listening, not just hearing noises, but listening to what people are saying. So feel culturally safe on Wurundjeri land to get out and tell your story. And for those people listening to it, take it on board. This, uh, we've got the whole world's knowledges in a very localised area here. And we can so much benefit from those stories and knowledges. And I encourage you to get out and do it. So all cultural leaders here today, I acknowledge you as well. <clears throat> I guess um, to the mob, you know, I don't have to explain things to you fellas. I acknowledge you. I acknowledge your resistance, your strength, your integrity, and I acknowledge that you got that from your elders past, and I acknowledge them as well. Sovereignty. In a 
look, I could probably speak for half an hour about what this stuff means, but I'll just give you a real brief and cut comparison to English sovereignty and Aboriginal sovereignty, or Wurundjeri sovereignty in particular. Inheritance. Everyone here understands what inheritance means. Something that you are handed down. Now, we don't have a word for asset or property in our language. Our word relates to responsibility. So cultural sovereignty relates to responsibility being handed down from our ancestors to care for this sacred land, both for the present and the future generations, and also to look after each other. That is cultural sovereignty from, a, from a, I guess, a, a starting point. Now, the English sovereignty, I've got to read this one because I, uh, I don't always remember it, but um, Australian government sovereignty or originates, sorry for any monarch lovers out there, from an inbred family in England, but the government gains its authority from rape, murder and theft. Now, what sort of sovereignty is that? <coughs> If you acted in that way on Wurundjeri country for thousands of years, there's a spear coming your way. Now, we got a word, Namaji. Uh, Namaji, uh, white follower, spirit go away. So if I use that word, now you know what it means. In Namaji ways, what rape, murder and theft creates is wealth and power. That authority that they impose over Aboriginal land and people and have for two centuries. It doesn't make any cultural sense. And again, I reiterate, thank you for your support because support of the, the great numbers like we have here today is the way that we can educate people because Aboriginal culture isn't about you know, creating issues in society. It's about understanding and respect. Our culture is very embracing, but we only embrace people who do respect us as people, respect our land and respect our culture which, uh, you know, I could probably spend another hour explaining how this country hasn't done that in the past, and you could even reiterate that to this very day. 189 years ago, I call him the funny name fella. Um, funny name fella named John Batman. Just up the river here, he met with Wurundjeri elders, in particular Billabalari, who was in charge of this landscape that we're meeting on today. This is where there was two major conflicts of culture relating to land. Batman met my ancestors trying to purchase land. Not a concept traditionally. Country is to be cared for, for now and future generations. They, the invaders, made up an authority, decided to utilise a lie of a thousand years ago. You may have heard of something that esteemed leader up further north there, fellow named Eddie Marbo, took on and fought and won concerning that Turn terra nullius. <clears throat> now, if you, if you don't know where terra nullius comes from, uh, it comes from a bunch of people sitting in the Vatican a thousand years ago who decided to write the rules for invasion, which gave the authorities around Britain and other areas to take over Indigenous people's land and resources and to take their lives under what they believe was a God-given right. Total lie, total shame, total bullshit. <clears throat> I did write down they were a bunch of devil worshippers, but sorry for any Christians out there, but that's how I see them. 
The rules of invasion, the church gave permission. Their institutions through government continue to this day. They are guilty of the origins of genocide and must pay for that, as they also claim much of Aboriginal land today. My ancestors took a political stance for basic human rights as our numbers were decimated, what we call in language Lilliput Mindai, Manola Mindai, scales of the snake, dust of the snake. You would know that as smallpox. Our fight for land and self-determination continues to this day. We ask for non-Indigenous support and understanding, and I'll just reiterate it one more time. I feel so much of that feeling today. So again, thank you for all coming. But for the mob, just a quick message. Jindy Warraback, join and unite. Continually build strength to fulfill our ancestors' dream of self-determination and freedom and cultural thriving in the modern environment. Now, the welcome to country is a law, it's like a passport. To feel truly welcome, you must respect people, country and culture. The smoke in front of me is a symbolisation of spiritual cleansing. We are a very spiritual mob connected to the, to the world around us. So I feel that respect from everyone here. So we're Minjika Wadanjeri Bik, welcome Wurundjeri country. Feel proud in who you are and continue and pass that on to your kids. So Nun Gujan, thank you. So as traditional custodians, we have a responsibility to look after you while you're visiting, living, working on Wadanjeri country. And another responsibility is to hand the baton over to our youth. We've got two beautiful young women here, staunch, powerful leaders in their own right that are going to speak on behalf of Wadanjeri youth. Um, um, so hi, my name is Nanjira. I'm a proud Rundri Gunai Kurnai young woman. I also have connections. <laughs> so shit. <laughs> um, I also have connections, Jaja Rung, Yulai Ilam Rung, and Maneri Nagari up New South Coast. Um, so I wasn't going to talk, and then you know how Arnie's go, so now I'm up here. Um, but when I was writing what I was going to say, I was thinking, well, I think it is time that we start to listen to our youth because we are the generation that's either going to wear the burden of this backward society and the way that they work, or we're going to be the, the generation that sees the change that our trailblazers fought so hardly for. <laughs> uh, January 26, what is it to me? To me, it not only marks the colonisation of this country, but it marks the ongoing trauma that our people still endure today from the removal of our black babies to our mob being the most incarcerated in the country. To me, January 26 is obviously a day of mourning and hurt, but every year it creates opportunity to become inspired and create change. And it's a reminder to everyone that through this attempted genocide of our people, we're still here, still fighting and resisting the colonial minds. <laughs> How can we rejoice and as we are young and free, when our people are among the highest suicide rates in the world? How can we be young and free when my brother boys are statistically proven to be more likely to get locked up over petty crimes than a finished year 12? Shame. <laughs> How can we rejoice when we are living in a country, in the only country in the world that actively celebrates the colonisation of its first people as a national holiday? Shame. How can we rejoice when our black women 
are getting their babies taken off them at higher rates than the stolen generation. Our people make up 3% of this country, yet Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the most incarcerated people in this country, making up nearly half of the pop prison population. Within that population, 78% of these mob have experienced imprisonment before being an adult. This is truth and statistical proof that the system isn't necessarily broken, but it's doing exactly what it's made to do. While I was up here, I wanted to also mention and acknowledge Cassius Turvey, um, another young man, black man, that's only two years younger than me, that lost his life due to a failed system and failed society. Cassius was a 15-year-old boy who was beaten while walking home from school in his school uniform with his friends. We as black youth in this country deserve to feel safe on our own land. Cassius is only one of countless racially motiv motivated murders of our people. When will they let us heal our traumas without enduring more pain into our people? We're sick of always having to be strong and resilient. We have had to be strong and resilient for over 236 years of constant rejection from this country. Our people are tired and our people deserve the right to heal our trauma that they sprung upon us. And we are not free. <laughs> and we are not free until we're all free. From Palestine to Sudan to Congo and to Aotearoa where their government is actively trying to silence their mother tongue. The fight will continue until we are all free from their colonial ways. And to all other young mob here today, it's our time to carry the cultural obligation of fighting because it's, it's time that they hear from us. It's time that they listen to us and it's time that we break these generational cycles and force change so that our younger nephews, nieces, little cousins don't have to feel the burden of the colony. Nungodjin, thank you. Kabam Malamangil, Naranik Kaya, Wurundjeri Willamik, Wurangik, Nyungodjin Wuminyat, Big Duyik, Mundanai Murupgarada Birang, Mundanai Kidipik, Mundanai Bubuk Nakurenik Ba, Big Ut Big Dui, Banya Big, Murmuk Big, Wuruburu Big Ba, Darangak Big Ba, Bunjala Willamu. Hi everyone, my name's Kaya Nicholson Ward, I'm a proud Wurundjeri Jaja Wurrung and Nyule Ilamurang woman. I'm standing here as a traditional custodian of this big country, speaking for my ancestors whose voices were silenced. I want to acknowledge all the mob here today and thank all of the allies standing with us. January 26 is not a day of inclusion and unity. It's the one day of the year that is the most di divisive. A date that represents the beginning of genocide, rape, murder, invasion, theft, massacres, and so much more which all have a major impact on the lives of First Nations people today and into the future. Transgenerational trauma is a very real thing that affects many of us today. Australia is the only Commonwealth country without a treaty with its First Peoples, and the Victorian government just removed their support for a treaty in Victoria. It makes me so confused as to why Australia says, lest we forget on Anzac Day, but get over it on Invasion Day. Both are a day of mourning, but only one is respected. <laughs> when will we be treated equal? There has been 558 Aboriginal deaths in custody since the Royal Commission. In 2020, there were around 400, 438 plus, with no police charged with the deaths. 
The numbers speak for themselves. Stop black deaths in custody. People need to be educated on the thousands of massacres, the loss of language, land, culture, family, tradition, rights, identity and children. It's not taught in schools. There's nothing to celebrate on this day. As First Nations people, we don't blame white Australians for what their ancestors began. We need to acknowledge that they profit off the genocide and destruction of my people. We want all Australians from all backgrounds to learn our culture and language and walk side by side with us. There's nothing to lose but so much to gain. We are the oldest living culture in the world. Isn't that something to be proud of and acknowledge, not hide and kept swept under the rug? Truth-telling and acknowledging the past is the only way we can tr truly unite and become one and thrive into the future. This country was built up from slavery and stolen wages, and our pr own Prime Minister said that slavery never existed in this country. Yeah. Governor Lachlan Macquarie in 1816 ordered that all Aborigines from Sydney onwards are to be made prisoners of war, and if they resist, they are to be shot and their bodies hung from trees so as to strike terror into the hearts of the surviving natives. How on earth can we celebrate actions such as this? Free Palestine, free Congo, free Ukraine, free Sudan, free Papua New Guinea, and I stand with the people of Aotearoa as their government try to silence their voices. And genocide everywhere. Nam always was and always will be Wurundjeri Big. Nyungodjin, thank you. Oh, one proud auntie and mum right here, listening to the voices of the generations that are truly elders already in their own right because they speak for those people in the future that will be making policies to change things. So these powerful women, give them another cheer. They deserve it. So this song that we're going to sing now represents, it's a metaphor, it's an old tree, an old bial, a red gum tree. And it's seen a lot of harmony, animals, plants, people, the weather, all working in harmony with each other and it was serene, a serene environment. The land was manicured by fire. It looked like British farms and gardens because they thought, oh, blackfellas aren't uh, intelligent enough to create a landscape like this, but little did they know, we got more knowledge than they ever have. Yeah. So this tree, it grew for hundreds of years and it grew healthy and strong. Then one day, she got cut down, and that represents invasion. But her roots are deep, which is language. Language is the key. People thought they could take our language and take our culture in, in turn. They couldn't. We're still speaking our language. Yes. The trunk represents our elders, always under pressure and strain in a modern world. Everyone's pulling him in all different directions but we stand on their shoulders. They made, up, made it easier for us to be able to stand here and fight for our mobs because they fought the hard fight. Yeah, and then, yes, cheer the elders, they deserve that too. 
then the shoots coming out from the side of that trunk represent these two women that just spoke wherever they are. They represent those next generations of leaders. And the seeds that she dropped over those hundreds of years of life are representing our bububs, our babies. So it's all the generations of our people and it survived even though, our culture survived even though it was cut down by invasion. We are still here, we are still strong, we are here, we are all one. So feel free to either watch this song at the start and at the end there's a bit of a chant and vibrations, the vibrations of my voice. I was going to say they're very healing because they're my voice, it's my voice, but no, it's the vibrations of voice that we can connect to country. So you can shut your eyes during the first part and the last part if you wish. Baba. Thank you so much, Mandy, those young speakers and the Jiri Jiri dancers. Make some noise again, please. I'd like to call up Kamara Sykes, where are you, Kamara, who's going to read Australia Day's eulogy. Give it up for Kamara. Hi, wow, this is massive.
My name is Kamara Bell-Wikes and I'm a Yagara Bachala Dalungbara woman from southeast Queensland. Uh, and I just want to pay my respects to the people, uh, elders, ancestors and country of this place here, Wurundjeri country. Always was, always will be. And to all of your ancestors as well. Today I have been asked to speak on behalf of the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance and I speak in honour of my mother, Dr. Jeannie Bell. Yeah. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to witness the long overdue and painfully anticipated death of the shameful atrocity otherwise known as Australia Day. Before we bid one last farewell to its maggot-infested remains and leave it to rot in an out-of-date <clears throat> and inaccurate version of his story, I ask you to join me in some final woeful reflections on this shit-fuckery of a day. <clears throat> in some particular order, once merely just a twinkle in the eye of Australia's nationalist forefathers who'd long bloodlusted after a day to celebrate their toxic empire built on prison systems and land theft. Australia Day was sprung forth from the loins of the Labor Party and traumatically born into the House of Representatives, Parliament House, Canberra, 1994. Yet, the vile act of adorning Aussie flags as capes and obnoxiously declaring the misdirected paddle cry, oi, 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 only began during Howard's disastrous reign. Given he was tossed out of Parliament some 17 years ago and is himself, fingers crossed, not long for this world, His vile culture wars and insulting notions of white armband history must also come to an end. Because let's face it, apart from planting a misplaced flag on someone else's lands in the farce of claiming it as private property on behalf of an inbred dynasty halfway across the world, not much actually happened on the 26th of January 1788. In actual fact, the poor convicts who managed to survive the journey were left starving in their own filth whilst a bunch of English gentlemen dressed in colonial garb argued on how to best proceed with their ensuing treacherous settlement. <clears throat> Shame. Because far from being a day of pride, the 26th of January is a date that marks the beginning of mass cultural, physical, ecological and spiritual genocide featuring some of the worst crimes against humanity in global history. Shame. And though this has been widely known for some time, whiter Australia have been somewhat hesitant to leave the party. Given our first official day of mourning was held on the 26th of January, 1938, when legendary activists William Cooper, Jack Patton, Marg Tucker, Bill Ferguson, 
and many others, dressed in their finest suits and dresses, led a procession through the streets of Sydney to highlight these horrific injustices. The very same injustices we march against almost a century later. We only have to look to recent events at the Australian government's Catch-22 referendum and the tragic but unsurprising no vote to Aboriginal Australia having an undefined voice in the national constitution to see just how far we have to go. The fact this document was designed to reinforce colonial notions of terra nullius in constitutional passages that still exist to this very day is a discussion for another time. Yet, we hold on to hope. Hope that one day Australia will honour its first people and pay us what we're owed. Hope that one day we will come together as a people, a country, a nation, to honour the true meaning of this day. And as we see national chains such as Woolworths, Aldi and even Bunnings, with so much unsold union hack merch gathering dust on their shelves, they've elected not to stock it at all. And the annual lamb industry ad starring yet another outdated Aussie icon who, for his sake, I'll leave unnamed, have probably created more vegans than proud Aussies in the last decade. And lest we forget Triple J rescheduling their Hottest 100 to a more appropriate day. As more and more city councils are electing not to hold Australia Day events, even the city of Melbourne has quietly cancelled its annual parade because, frankly, its pathetically dwindling numbers were unable to compete with the monumental crowds gathering to march for Invasion Day. Perhaps our hope is finally paying off. Welcome. Took you a while, but welcome. Welcome to the right side of history. Because let's face it, when is it ever appropriate to celebrate the beginning of genocidal colonization? And as I look around at this very un-Australian crowd of tenacious community members, warriors and allies, it seems the distant dream of this undignified, dead, dying dog of a day is finally being put out of its misery once and for all. And that, my friends and family, truly is something to celebrate. Yeah. We are still here. You couldn't kill us. This is our country. And so it is with sincere and humble pleasure that I declare, fuck Australia Day. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Let it burn to the ground and rest eternally in unpeace. This is your funeral, not ours.
always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Oh, make some more noise for Kamara! Far out. Next up is my sister, Sissy Austin. Make some noise for Sissy. Hello, my name is Sissy Eileen Austin. I'm a Gundichamara, Kirai Warong, Japarong woman. <laughs> I acknowledge deeply the caretakers of the land of which we gather today. The songlines, totems, elders, stories passed through the generations that belong right here on this country. It's both a miracle and a privilege to be standing here speaking today. The lead up to and the day of January 26 has forever been a gut-wrenching one. A day where a country celebrates a violent invasion and genocide. Over thousands of years, over the years, thousands have begun turning up to protest against everything that is celebrated on January 26. Thousands attend and listen to my people, repeatedly share our pain, our injustice, our fight for survival. You all have a responsibility and an obligation to not let our stories and our calls to action go by the wayside. I acknowledge my late Uncle Archie Roach and his song, <laughs> and his song, Let Love Rule. A song with a message, I feel the obligation to not let go by the wayside. A song that guides me in how I navigate this country and a song that tells the story of how true and raw love is in black communities. I spoke on a panel last year and an audience member asked us the question, but what can we do? But what can we do? A question often asked of us. I answered love. The words of Uncle Archie's song say, when darkness overcomes us and we cannot find our way, although we keep on searching for the light of day and we hear the children crying and we don't know what to do, gotta hold on to each other and love will see us through. Let love rule, let it guide us through the night that we may stay together and keep our spirits calm. Only truth will shine the morning light because love's the only thing that will keep us safe from harm. 
Rest in power, Uncle Archie. Where there is love for land, there is a drive to protect, to put your bodies on the front line. Where there is love for First Nations children, there is a motivation that you will do everything in your power to stop our children being removed from black communities. Where there is a love for the waterways and totems, with love, comes a commitment to understanding deeper why our waterways and totems need protecting. And with that understanding, you realise why we need you to fight with every last breath for both our future in this country and yours. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't love something about the oldest continuing culture in the world, or that you didn't love the idea of a dream becoming a reality, a dream of a country free of injustice towards First Nations clans and nations, a dream where black mothers can stop living in fear of their babies being taken away, a dream where black bodies stop exiting police custody in body bags. A dream where chainsaws are lifted off the breasts of japarong birthing trees. Our dreams can be your dreams too. Dreams become a reality when we learn how to love. I said at the beginning that it was both a miracle and a privilege to be standing here today. In just two weeks, it will be one year since I was violently attacked running on Waterong country in the Lao Lao Forest. <laughs> to think that this time last year, I would have been dying for January 26 to be over. And just two weeks following, I was reminded that the violence of January 26 isn't isolated to just this day. It is every single day in the colony. And through the eyes of social media and attending the Sunday rallies, sorry, the love of my community, country, ancestors carried me through my continued healing journey. If my life had have been taken on that day, I would have died knowing I was loved by my community, my country, my people, despite the horrific daily injustices inflicted on us by the colony. And through the eyes of social media and attending the Sunday rallies, I see and I feel the love that exists in Palestinian communities. A love that, like ours, has the right to be protected and a love that, like ours, has the right to continue growing. Instead of allowing a violent white male, who is representative of the colony, by the way, steal my love for running from me, I trained for the remainder of the year and in November completed the New York City Marathon. <laughs> An achievement 
that is representative of the Gunditjmara bloodlines running through my veins. <laughs> representative of my community, my people. Contrary to how mainstream media portrays us. I have no idea in the world who the man was that attacked me that day. Most likely because of Victoria Police's failed investigation. Or maybe I am naive to think there was even an investigation at all. Do you know the very first thing the copper dog said to me the day after the attack? You seem incredibly calm, sissy, in light of what you are alleging. Victoria Police being Victoria Police. They don't care about us. And no program, no artwork, no flag pin will convince me otherwise. But to that individual, all I hope for is that you find a place of decolonising your colonial body, mind and spirit. Because the violence that I experienced that day The violence that I was victim to always was and always will be white. Violence always was and always will be colonial. My training for the marathon coincided with a referendum we never asked for. A referendum to go into a racist colonial constitution. I voted no without hesitation. But what I would preferably do is tear up every single page of the racist, colonial, illegal constitution and set it on fire. <laughs> set it on fire with every other policy that will never be fixed. Let's throw all reconciliation action plans in this fire too. Because reconciliation is dead. You cannot reconcile with a country that denies our existence. You cannot reconcile with a country that refuses to tell the truth. We are sick and tired of being dragged through tokenistic gestures. When I see the horrendous human beings signing their names on bombs being dropped on the beautiful people of Palestine, Shame. I can't help but draw the parallel here in this country, where we have cops with flag pins murdering our people, where we have my mining companies with our, our artwork displayed in their boardrooms destroying our country, where we have child protection workers with an acknowledgement of country at the bottom of the email, they just sent to a black mother telling her that she won't be getting her children back. The only way forward is to set it on fire. The fight was never to go into the constitution. The fight is for land back. The fight is for treaty, 
The fight is for ending our families leaving prisons in body bags. And we never needed an advisory body to make this happen. What we need is love. Because the answers and the recommendations are out there. We just need a country that loves our existence enough to stop murdering us. We need a country that loves our land enough to stop destroying it. We need a country that loves our totems and animals enough to stop starving them of the environment they need to survive. And we just need a country that loves us enough to take the time to understand how beautiful we are. How beautiful our love for country is. How beautiful our loyalty to family and kin is. And how beautiful our commitment to fighting for justice is. I suffered a severe concussion following the attack. And from that, I had momentarily lost my speech. I end by thanking the ancestors for slowly but surely gifting me back my speech. So that I can loudly and proudly continue speaking truth to justice and continue and never allowing the messages of those before us go by the wayside. Thank you and let love rule. <laughs>
And within, yeah, shame, another racist law that was recommended to be decriminalised in the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Once they placed Mum in that cell, she had fallen and had a traumatic head injury that caused a brain bleed. So with the state that Mum was in, by the time that they had woken her up and put her in that cell, they were meant to care for her and look at her physically, go into the cell every 15 to 20 minutes, something that they did not do until she had already fallen onto the floor, already looking like she had left us with a blanket over her head on a cold concrete cell of a floor. Shame. We went into the coronial inquest, and which is, this is why I say invasion day is every day. Because when we're sitting in that coroner's court, it's just a reminder that our lives do not matter to these followers and to the people that they say are here to protect us. The coroner found that the person that had called the police acted with a racial bias. Nothing for the police, even though they arrested mum, put her in a cell, left her to die. And then 10 minutes after that, picked up a drunk white woman, drove her home safely, didn't even find her. Shame. So that brings us to the Dajua Foundation, which is a national grassroots organisation that supports mob who have had their loved ones die in custody. And you'll see a lot of our volleys out here today collecting funds. Uh, the work that we do is founded in self-determination of families and centering lived experience. And all of our work is around campaign capacity building, media training and family support for MOB to be able to get to a coronial inquest. Because what we know is that empowering families and making sure that they're able to participate in the coronial inquest if they wish is that it can achieve really important systemic reform. So one of those um, examples is my family was successful in the decriminalisation of public drunkenness, which is now not illegal. Yeah. Um, within that, we actually were successful in no additional police powers, which is the first time across the country that we have decriminalised something without giving these cunts any more powers to criminalise us. So within the um, coroner's inquest, and I think it's really important to note solidarity within our communities. So we had um, the Palestinian community throughout us from the beginning to the end of Mum's inquest. The Asian community, like overall Muslim community, like everyone was there to support us and to get justice for Mum. So shout out to Tasneem for everything that they did during Mum's inquest. Mum's inquest was ran for four weeks and day in, day out, these fellas came in, they sat in the court, they watched the footage where mum was murdered and they would bring food and they would feed us and they have stood with us every single minute of the way and we need to continue to do that and stand with Palestine today. One important thing to remember is that whether you think you're making an impact or not by sharing the stories of death in custody families or whether you think that making a $5 donation is going to make a difference, I'm telling you that it's, you, it's wrong. You are absolutely, every person here today that has supported death in custody has been able to achieve great things like what my family did. And 
The killings by the state of our loved ones, it thrives off silence. It thrives off the fear of being able to stand your ground and calling out that these are murders. Murders by the state and that our people deserve to live like everybody else. I don't get into the stats too much around deaths in custody because it's just like our people are more than just another statistic. But I know that some people can't actually understand in their head what we're talking about. So to make it very, very clear, within the past 12 months, we have had at least 24 black deaths in custody. Shame! At least 354 of our mob have died since the Royal Commission so it's been over, like, keep in mind, it's over 550, but this is breaking down what it is. At least 187 of those... Uh, oh, wait a second, sorry, shut up. Um, at least 119 of those deaths have been people aged between 10 to 24 years old since the Royal Commission. That is kids. That is the daughter. That is the age of my daughter. No child deserves to be in prison. 53% of Aboriginal deaths in custody where people aged under 40 years old compared to 37% of non-Indigenous deaths in prison custody. And what we need to remember, when they're referencing non-Indigenous deaths in custody, they are not actually talking about white people that are dying in custody. They're putting every other person of colour within that mix. So when they use that yarn of they're not dying as much as what we are in custody, it is a false narrative that they continue to push. The Australian Institute of Criminology report our people as a whole died in custody at more than six times at the rate of non-Indigenous people. Shame. That's a 0.61 per 100,000 people compared to 0.09 per 100,000 people. Shame. And what we already know is that our community and our loved ones that have died in custody are three times more likely to not receive medical care according to the coronial inquest. Shame. And it's important to highlight too, these inquests, and this is why I say fucking ACAB, because all of these ones that are standing around here, right, that say, oh, you know, there's a few good apples, all that bullshit. Where was the good apples when the police officers that contributed to my mother's death stood on that fucking witness stand and when they were asked, would you do anything differently knowing that Tanya Day died and do you want to apologise? And what do you think they said? No. Shame. They did the same for my mum, Tanya Day. They did the same for Veronica Nelson. They did the same for Stevie Lee, Stevie Lee Nixon and every other family that has ever had to sit in that poxy coroner's court and have them justify why they have killed our loved ones. Shame. I'm going to finish on the demands that have been put together by war. As always, treaty and treaties for our mob. Land back and land right. Stop selling land promised to us. End Aboriginal deaths in custody, climate justice, and the theft of black children and return all black children to their families and kin. Abolish police and prisons, reparations, and for the Australian government to stop arming Israel. Thank you. 
and donate to Dajua. You've been listening to some special broadcasting about Invasion Day 2024. We heard some absolutely excellent speeches from a range of First Nations warriors and activists. Hope you enjoyed it.